And gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, you are watching Off the Track, and it is time to drop the hammer. Well, hey, everyone, and welcome back to episode number 18 of Off the Track, a dirt track racing podcast where we like to talk about our experiences in the sport that we love. I'm your host, Tanner Holmes, and to my left, I have my best friend and co-host, Bennett Gooch. Bennett, how have you been lately? We're doing good. Uh, sadly, we didn't be able, we weren't able to make it down to the Peter Murphy Classic with you, but uh, we had rodeo up on my end that we helped put on the Reading Rodeo, which is a PRCA rodeo, which is on the circuit for cowboys and cowgirls uh, throughout the year to earn money to work their way towards the NFR. And let me tell you, on our end, we absolutely sold out. Um, my dad's the president, and he did things that we've never done before, and it was a success. It rained for about ten minutes. None, nobody left. They all cheered. They all you know, bought some more beer and had some, had a good time. So, uh, our end was a success and I know your end, um, on certain points were a success as well. Absolutely. So we went down to the Peter Murphy classic this last weekend to support the event. My first time ever, um, you know, attending the Peter Murphy classic and running a 410 sprint car at the Tulare Thunder Bowl. I had ran a 410 before, um, at Hanford, the Colorado Speedway, which Peter actually owns that joint. And for today's episode, to kind of give a little bit of a better perspective on the event, just not from uh, my angle and everyone at Tanner Holmes Racing, you know, our team's angle, we got the winner who actually swept all four A-Main events uh, down there between the Colorado Speedway and the Tulare Thunderbolt, Dominic Selzy, yep. and we got him in over the phone, and man, this was a great interview. We talked to Dominic a little bit about what's going on for him in 2021, you know, his racing season, he's sticking uh, close to home in California, which is not what he usually does. Does. Yeah. You know, in past years, he's been out racing on the road, you know, chasing big outlaw shows, all-star races, even um, a couple 360 races, you know, throughout the Midwest, just racing as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And then we also talk about, you know, his dominating weekend and man, he was fun to talk to. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, we've seen the Selzy brothers race throughout their career and whatnot. And uh, it's pretty cool to be able to go down there with you and uh, get to watch him in real life because he drives that car pretty hard. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, like I said, he's been sticking around in California for the 2021 season, and you're going to see a bunch of him just on the West Coast, you know, continuing to chase all these big shows like the Peter Murphy Classic, which I didn't tally up how much money he won, but it had to have been right around yeah. $20,000 in two nights, which that's a, a pretty nice payday. So anyway, Dominic Selzy for episode number 18 of Off the Track over the phone. Let's jump into the interview. So joining us here today on episode number 18 of Off the Track, he's been pretty hot uh, over the social media for dirt track racing lately as he just recently swept the Peter Murphy Classic in the 360 and 410 sprint car. Uh, he's the driver of the Selzy Motorsports number 41. It's Dominic Selzy. Dominic, welcome to the show. How are we doing, guys? Pretty good, doing pretty good. good. Uh, how's everything been? Are you watching the Outlaws right now? Yeah, I was actually just inside my and um, you know, my brother's starting fourth in the dash, so that's really good. He ran second on Saturday night at uh where was it, Williams Grove. So it's been a good week to be a selfie, I guess. Yeah, that's great to hear. We're definitely going to turn that on right after the episode. To kind of dive in, before we jump into the Peter Murphy Classic, uh, I want to talk about Central California and your kind of decision to, you know, stick around the area uh, for the 2021 season. You know, how has it been just racing around California locally and not out on the road, you know, chasing all these bigger shows? Man, it's been a lot different. You know, I, I've spent the last five years of, you know, for the most part out on the road. You know, we, we would be home when the Outlaws came in March. And then we would leave right after the Peter Murphy Classic and, and basically stay back there until the Outlaws came back to California. And then uh, we would kind of pick and choose, decide whether we'd stay in California or go back out on the road. And 
Um, you know, never really ran for points back there, but we always ran, I would say probably 90% of our races were outlaw events and, uh, the rest were filled in with, with all-star shows. So over the last five years, I've really just raced, you know, with the outlaws of the all-stars. So to be home racing with the NARC series, it's been a lot different. Um, I ran the, for the, the NARC championship in 2019 in the 83 car out here. And I kind of just flew back and forth, but I never really got to, I mean, I raced in California. I think I only ran like 25, 30 races, but now I'm actually racing in California full time. So it's been a lot different. Um, a lot of things have actually changed, you know, like there's a lot of places I haven't been since 2015 or 16. And, um, you know, really with the NARC schedule in 2019, I, there's places I've only been to once in the last five or six years. So a lot of stuff has really, my opinion, changed a little bit out here. The competition is incredible. And um, I've noticed there's a lot of guys from Washington and Oregon and Arizona that, that come out here um, on, you know, odds and end weekends that, that they really bring a lot to the racing as well. So it's been a lot of fun this year. We've had a great season to start, and um, I'm really enjoying myself. And one thing you kind of touched on there for a second, you know, running a lot of those outlaw shows, and that's, you know, prepared you and obviously made you into the driver that you are today, you know, running against guys like Brad Sweet, Sheldon Hoddenshield, David Gravel, like the top of guy, uh, the top guys in the sport. Do you feel like, you know, coming back to California, all that experience you gained, do you feel like the level of intensity and competition is just different out here? Like, obviously, it's not at the outlaw level, but there's still so many good cars and, um, you know, 360 and even 410 racing starting to come back a little bit in California. California. Oh, without a question. I think um, any driver that wants to do this professionally or just to push themselves to see how good they can become, I I don't know if there's any other way than to race with the outlaws. So many great series out there. You got ASPS, the All Stars, PA Bossy. There's you know Ohio guys are really good. Knoxville area is incredible through the Midwest, but there's no group of guys even close to being as good as the outlaws are. So. You know, there's been a lot of times where I've, you know, I've been on the road and, and, you know, run outside of the top 10 for weeks at a time or, um, you know, been lucky and put together some good runs and run inside the top five or top 10. Um, and to me, I feel like if you can run inside the top 10 with the Outlaws on a regular basis, you could just about win against any group of guys in the country on any given night. Um, and, and I think that's been proven. There, there's a lot of guys that if they come out on the road and they go, race in the top 10 with the outlaws for you know night in and night out or the majority of the time they're successful elsewhere and that's kind of just been our motto is we wanted to see how good we could get as a team and how how much i could progress as a driver and um i think that's a huge part of it i've been able to see a lot of amazing racetracks and driven for you know quite a few really great people and um i i, I put almost every ounce of success um as a driver coming from racing against the outlaws and um, you know, I know you're kind of early in your career, Tanner, but once you get to be able to race with the outlaws, you know, you, you can't even understand the level of talent that those guys have. I mean, in Arizona, you saw a little bit of how good some of them outlaw guys are, but when you have a full group of outlaw cars, it is incredible how hard those guys can race and how hard they drive every single night. So when you're floundering around in the back or, Hey, if you're running up in the front with them, you're pushing yourself to your absolute limits as a driver and as your team. So for me, I think it's huge. And it's, it's in my opinion, like just like going to college, you, you know, you have to put the time in to, to get the product. And I think right now, just being at home full time is you're kind of starting to see the, the years of hard work and the years of getting your butt kicked every night and, and how that's showing up, showing up now. 
I can agree 100%. You know, going down there, like we ran that, um, that's that, those three races in Arizona. And, you know, you go from, you know, maybe racing our local guys in, in the Northwest, or we went to the Midwest a little bit and ran like a speed week. But, you know, when you go from that then to racing against, you know, Donnie Shots, all those guys that were down there in Arizona, you know, you and your brother and um, so many big names, it's just crazy the, the next level that you're on. And then, you know, even going back to, you know, like we ran the Peter Murphy Classic this weekend, and obviously, you know, a ton of good cars there. But you think you know we ran already against the best and it just really changes you know um just uh how it is you know now going to all these different racetracks so i can agree with that bennett you had something oh yeah i was gonna say so you had mentioned uh going to all those different racetracks and stuff and i know me and tanner can both agree and we wanted to ask you uh what's it like i mean california just has those tight bull rings and it's kind of just a little bit different from the rest of the sprint car racing in the in the rest of the united states uh what are your thoughts on uh, you know, California and the boring type tracks that we have here. You know what? I think what makes it so different from everywhere else in the country is the amount of grip that a lot of the racetracks have. So this weekend, obviously they didn't hampered with super, super slick, which hampered nine times out of 10 gets extremely slick. And, uh, Tulare was super slick right up against the fence. Um, that is more so like the Midwest. They, there are bull rings back there. There's a lot of, uh, short tracks and stuff back there but they don't have the grip that the places out here have. And I think that's just probably a lot of racetracks use an excessive amount of water. And they, in my opinion, go a little bit overboard with the, the track prep. And a lot of times you don't really see it get slick. You almost feel the racetrack just seal over and then it gets to a huge curb. And although you see that sometimes in the Midwest, you don't see it as often as you do out here. And in my opinion, not that it's a bad thing at all, it's just a different kind of racing. It, out here, you have to race super, super hard. You're on the gas a lot. You're really trying to just rip around the cushion. And I think that's something that, you know, growing up out here has, has really helped me when you do race faculty outlaws because you have to run the cars so hard out here. But then you go to places like Ohio where, I mean, you could be quarter and half throttle the entire night. Like, I remember times going to Aska and I'll unload and I would literally never get past three-quarter throttle because so that that to me i think is a huge plus about california racing and west coast racing in general i mean i feel like oregon has the same type of racing and washington but it's all mostly smaller tracks they build big curbs they get um you know sealed over to where yes it's slick but you can kind of slide across it pretty safely and then now you know you see hanford and Tulare to where they're actually more so like a midwest track where it gets super dry slick you know it may build a not a super aggressive curb and it a lot a lot of times push over the edge or build up against the wall like it's hilarious so those different aspects is why i think you see some guys that are just in california do really well at um, you know marysville stuff like that petaluma but then they go to hanford and Tulare and they're a little bit different just because those tracks are a little bit more midwestern in my opinion than than the others you know that in my opinion is what helps the guys in california be so well out of california because they already know how to hustle it's a little bit easier to slow yourself down and get yourself hooked up than it is to actually really hustle against the cushion. Gotcha. And that's one thing we've observed just watching, you know, before I even got into sprint cars, you know, you watch some of the guys that maybe do run like, like you said, Placerville, Petaluma, Silver Dollar, Marysville on a weekly basis. And then those guys try to go down to, you know, Hanford and Tulare and the racetracks are just so much different. And even like this weekend for the Peter Murphy Classic, like when we rolled out for a mud pack at Tulare, it looked like there wasn't much water on the racetrack at all. Like some of it was um, marbles and, and I was worried there was even enough moisture to keep the racetrack right. apart or, or 
keep the racetrack together. And so it is kind of cool to see those places transform because I know that's like more my driving style is a slick racetrack and, um, you know, super, super wide. Uh, to kind of dive into your Peter Murphy Classic weekend, you know, you guys had a lot of success just to start 2021, a handful of wins. I know Kern County, Tulare, and a couple other tracks, a solid run at um, Silver Dollar a couple weeks ago. Uh, can you kind of just walk us through your Peter Murphy uh, Classic weekend and what it took, you know, to sweep all four A-Main events? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I think we've had, this has I mean, definitely been the best year of my career to start off. We've already won more races than I ever have in a season. So um, I think my confidence is just really high. And then working with a guy like Jim, he's legitimately won everything there is to win. He's won, you know, an Outlaw Championship. He's won the Knoxville Nationals. He's won at Eldora countless times. He's seen it all. He's done it all. He's raced. And, you know, really, I mean, he, he's he's on the the backside of his career. You know, he's, he's close to retirement, and he, he wanted to retire in California. And we kind of persuaded him to come race with us for, you know, as long as he's willing to race with us out here because this is kind of the area that he wants to live. And um, we just really have clicked. Last year we had some success. Um, we won an all-star show. We're in second. At, I don't know how many races back there. Um, we, and we won a few races. But this year it's been a little bit different in the fact that like all of last year, really big learning year for him and I to just kind of gel. Now we are gelled together. and He does know what I want. And I know how to talk to him about stuff that I want to feel in the race car. And, and we've just, we've got a great relationship and we read each other really well. So I guess in a long answer, which I'm pretty uh, long winded, but you, you start the season off with wins and running well. And we ran well in Arizona. We won some races out here. You know, we, we swept Larry early in the year, which in my opinion, Larry is a place that I've struggled at because I broke my back there years ago and I've struggled to get that confidence back in myself there. And so to win the two nights there in the three sixties earlier in the season was a huge confidence booster. And then we went to Chico and we won the first night and we went 15th to the lead. And then I lost it on the last lap to Sanders. And that really kind of sparked a fire in me. And then we, I was able to go to South Dakota and, and 14th to second. So I feel like we've been really close to a lot of wins and we have won a lot of races, but I, I think there's even more that we've left on the table. And, you know, that kind of hunger and, and that desire to, to really, you know, do something special was, it was big. It was a big pushing factor for this weekend. And it's, it's so cool to be able to win two races in one night. And then, um, you know, I think everyone was gunning for the, the Peter Murphy Classic, the 410, the NART. And to have such an incredible race with, with Bud, I felt like, you know, I, I left nothing on the table. I, I gave it absolutely everything I had. And to come away victorious in that, it was like all the pressure was off. And at that point, you know, we'd accomplished the big goal of the really of the year. That was the, in my opinion, the one race that we had circled on our calendar that we really wanted to to run well at. And then, uh, you know, so to go four for four is something that I never could have dreamed of. I didn't even realize it's possible. And um, you know, I've just kind of been on cloud nine since then, and, and just so thankful that I've got such an amazing opportunity and, and such amazing people around me that believe in me and. Uh, one of the words or uh, one of the words you continuously said there was confidence and I know as a race car driver like that's something that you have to have and it's not something you can just say you have a, a driver can't just show up to a track and say I'm confident you know you got to can kind of build that up you know through good runs and having speed you know how important has it been that you've been confident lately in your equipment in your ability and then also in your mechanics working on your race car which kind of puts the whole package together you know to running up front and starting you know dominating. Exactly. And, you know, I, I remember um, you went 
to the ASCS Speed Week through the Midwest there, like I think right after the Knoxville Nationals. I remember seeing your, your name was popping up in the results. And it's so different going to places that are outside of the West Coast. So you go back there and it's like, okay, I've never been to these places. They race all, all different. And you can get really low on confidence when you don't have good runs. But then you start putting nights together and especially when you're away from home and you're like, man, I, I'm going to these places that I don't really run or, or, and you start having these good runs and you do build that confidence that you feel like when I come home, I can take what I've learned and I can really apply it. And I feel like that's kind of just what we're doing. You know, Jimmy has, has really learned myself as a driver on what I like. And, you know, I've learned, of, you know, a lot of different ways to drive a race car. And I think that's, uh, you know, like I said, been a big factor in my confidence as a driver. And you know this as well as anybody. Once you have confidence, like you said, it's it's hard to be somebody with confidence. Things cannot be right with a race car. Things can go wrong during the race. And if you have that confidence in your head that, you know, I'm going to overcome it, a lot of times it just works out, plays out that way. Absolutely. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's crazy. You know, you mentioned, um, you know, a driver with confidence, it's hard to beat. And that's why I think, you know, some of these outlaw guys are, you know, Kyle Larson, a perfect example. Once they get going, you know, there's, uh, there's really no stopping them. I, I agree 100%. And that's, uh, that's something that's taken me a long time. You know, I've raced sprint cars for 10 years. And I've had a lot of ups and downs and, and moments where it's like, okay, I finally got it. I know what I'm doing. Well, then two months later, I realized I have no idea what I'm doing. So it's, it's a long process. And you know, these cars are so difficult to drive. I, I always laugh that, you know, you, you hear some guys like, oh, yeah, this guy's a slap or, oh, you know, they're only racing against whoever. Well, there, I've never in my life seen a, a sprint car race that was uh, an easy race to win. There's always somebody there. There's always good cars at every event. You know, everyone's racing as hard as they can. You know, maybe some races are harder than others, but, you know, driving a sprint car, if you can win a sprint car race, you've really accomplished something in my opinion. So I think, um, I, I think, the more that you race sprint cars, the more that you race 410s, you're going to notice that it becomes easier in the 360s. So in my opinion, I think it's just a learning process and, and it just takes time for everybody. And it's taken me, in my opinion, 10 years to get to the point that I feel like I can win anywhere at any time. And it's it's a special feeling. It's something that I, I'm not taking for granted at all. It's something that I'm going to enjoy, hopefully, for the next uh, next 10 years. Yeah, you really hit the nail on the head there. And that's something, those exact words is what I was saying. Um, actually, at Tulare, it's just these cars are so hard to drive. You know, you go out there, you watch people, you watch the highlights, and it, it looks way easier than it is. Then you actually get out on the racetrack, you know, maybe it's slick or it's rough, and um, just sitting behind the wheel of one of these things, it's hard to compare it to anything else. Uh, one of our last questions relating to the Peter Murphy Classic and your successful weekend, you know, you've, you've won a lot of races. You mentioned an all-star show. You've ran up front at some of the biggest races in the country, where does the Peter Murphy classic and, you know, your sweep kind of rank amongst all those other achievements? This is definitely the biggest one for me. Um, it may not be the, um, you know, the, the most prestigious or anything like that yet. I mean, it's really been built into something that in my opinion is absolutely a, a must win race for guys that are racing in the West coast. If you're a, if you're a hitter, you want to win the Peter Murphy Classic. And if you're out of California, you want to win the Peter Murphy Classic. So for me, it's definitely my number one. You know, I, I was able to win some really cool races over the last few years. And, um, you know, I, I would take the, the World Challenge was huge. The winning with the All-Stars was huge. You know, I've, I've really been able to accomplish some cool stuff, the Dirt Classic at Calistoga. But this one for me, this weekend, ranks as number one. I mean, I never in a million years would have dreamed I could win four races in two nights. Um, you know, the, the 
Peter Murphy Classic, in my opinion, is it's the 410 event in California. It's the seventh annual this year. So I think that it's going to be something that's going to be around for a very long time. It's something that, you know, in, in 30 or 40 years, we're going to talk about the, the the 50th annual or the 47th annual. And it's going to just have a lot of history behind it. And I, I, I truly believe every great race starts with a great person. And Peter Murphy is a great, great man to be behind that event. And he's done a wonderful job for racing in, in general. Um, you know, not only being the promoter of, of King Speedway in Hanford, but, but with the Peter Murphy Classic. And, um, you know, it's a race that I want to add my name to several more times throughout my career. But I think it's going to be something that, you know, I've got a kid on the way here that's going to be doing about seven or eight weeks. And it's going to be something that I hope they, when they race or if they race, they're going to want to win the Peter Murphy Classic as well. Something that I, I really hope is around for a long time. And that's kind of a topic I wanted to transition to, just talking about Peter Murphy for, for a minute. You know, you said he's, he's such a great ambassador for the sport. You know, he puts on a huge event. Um, but what's, you know, what are some of the things, because you're right down there, you know, in the Central, in the central Valley um, where his racetrack's at, you know, some of the things he's trying to do and ideas to bring back 410s and keep 360 racing so healthy. And, you know, for example, you know, you, you sticking around in California for 2021, not doing a lot of traveling. There's so many teams in the state like that. Um, you know, what are some of the things, you know, he's kind of doing that is going to help uh, to where you guys are going to be able to run more shows than you ever have before. One thing that I think is extremely important in California and the West Coast in general is if we look back 10 to 12 years, there was a lot of healthy 410 events. We had the NARC series that would run 25, 30 events. Chico was running Friday night 410 shows. Um, Skagit ran weekly 410 shows and 360s. And now we look at it and, and I'm not really sure where we've gotten lost, but we've lost a lot of the 410 footprint and I, me being, I, I'm going to say a 410 guy because that's where my heart really is, is running the 410 stuff, you know, and I feel that that's where sprint car racing needs to get back to. Um, I, I think it's so important that Peter is, is doing these local 410 shows like we, like he did on Sunday night and to try and take the emphasis off of having a big hitting motor or having these big teams win everything. He's taking qualifying away and he's running a two heat race format to allow guys to have the opportunity to succeed against maybe a, a better funded team. And I think that's something that is very important. Maybe we need to change the formats around. Maybe we need to run special events or maybe inverted events. I know a lot of races in Pennsylvania, they invert 12 cars for the main event. I think stuff like that is something we need to start looking at for local 410 events, try and grow the 410 population in California. And then I think we need to put a full on assault, hopefully in the next two or three years, if we can grow the 410s back up in California, we need to put a full-on assault in Washington. And, uh, you know, the, the Dirt Cup used to be a 410 event. That's now no longer a 410 event. Try and focus very hard on light out here because, in my opinion, nothing creates better racing. And Peter Murphy has done a phenomenal job already at trying to bring back that 410 life. And I know that there's a lot of 360 teams out here that run Hanford that have, you know, now started purchasing 410s just for this event. So uh, I think that's going to be something great that we're going to probably talk about in a few years. Hopefully you're going to be able to come down here a little bit more. I know we've actually never met, uh, but I hear about you all the time with uh, all the kids that, uh, that their parents work at Sully Enterprises. They always watch your videos. So, so hopefully you're still you're going to be coming down here a little bit more and we're going to be able to actually meet in person and uh, you'll be able to race a little bit more 410 stuff down here. Yeah, well, that is the well, that is the the game plan. We want to get down there and run a little bit more because, you know, there is not much 410 racing on the West Coast, so we got to take advantage to what's close. Uh, so right. I have a question. So since you are home, uh, what does your like weekly schedule look like now? Do you have more time in the shop and do you think that helps you mentally prepare for the upcoming race weekend? 
So I actually don't spend a whole lot of time in our race shop. I, I go to work around 5.30 or so. We start work at 6, and then I'm off around either 2.40 on a regular day or 4.20 on, a, on an overtime day, and I really never know what I'm going to get when I go to work. So um, Jimmy's there every day, all the time, and uh, you know, I, at lunchtime I always go over there, and him and I go to lunch a lot. But um, I think what has helped me out a lot mentally is I'm not doing it for a living anymore. And when I was doing it for a living, I felt like it, it was to the point where it was taking over my life. And I was really having a hard time balancing my life and my racing. And, you know, I was racing 90 times a year and I was wanting to race 120. And, you know, we were working really hard, but we were really only running outlaw races. And quite often, I wasn't capable of, of competing, you know, in the top five as much as I needed to, to feel like I was really accomplishing what I wanted to. So then, Last year, we kind of ran a little bit more all-star stuff. And, I mean, we very much ex- exceeded our, our expectations. We ran second a bunch of times. We made, like, I think 12 dashes or whatever it was and ran really well. So then that kind of got me back to the point. Like, you know, why don't we just go have fun with this? And we'll race the outlaw races that we feel we go to tracks that we're good at. We'll run all-star stuff where we feel like, we you know, we need to gain it. And uh, I think that really helped me a lot to get me mentally right. But uh, something that I think, you know, has been the biggest thing is now that it's this is for fun. This isn't something that I have to win or I have to run the top three to, to be able to pay my bills. This is something that I can, I can roll in and, Hey, I'm going to have fun. I just want to win. So instead of going back to work on Monday as, you know, running 12, I want to go back there with a winner. And if I don't win, I can still pay for my food and my dogs are still going to eat and, and the lights are still going to be on in my house. So I think that's been a, a big change in attitude. And I think that's, been another part of, of probably helping me run a little bit better this year that you know I'm not as worried about what the paycheck's going to be after the weekend it's going to be more so hey I just you know whatever I win it's going to be a little bit of a bonus or fun money and uh you know I, I'm, I've got my paycheck every week from work so that's helped me a lot and, and coming up in California uh as the year progresses I know Tanner would like to get down there like you had mentioned uh what are some of the more upcoming races that you guys have your eye on to uh go and hit in the upcoming year well, you know, uh, we're obviously in arc races. So that's, uh, I believe it's 21 or 22 races um, all year long. We're going to run all the Hanford 410 shows, all the Hanford 360 shows. So we're pretty much going to cover all of the central NARC schedule for the year. But, you know, there's a lot of really big races. You've got the Louis Vermeil, the Howard Cating is a very big one. Um, you've got the Champions Classic. You've got the, the California Speed Week with the NARC series. You've got a lot of amazing races out here that have a lot of, special you know mottos to them the trophy cup obviously the gold cup so really if the race has a name we want to win it more so and if it has a big check we want to win that as well so uh for me i'm just gonna try and hit all the all the big ones in california and um you know there's there's some exciting stuff coming up here in the upcoming weeks with being at watsonville for the uh pombo sergeant and uh yeah there's, there's a lot of big races out here a lot of historic races that have been around for a long time so Whenever you can put your name on a race that's been around for 10, 20, 30 years, it's, it's extremely special. That's great, and it'll be awesome to follow along with your schedule. Our final question, um, before you hang it up, you know, looking way down the road, um, as you continue your racing career, I know in uh, other interviews you've said, you know, you're not permanently staying in California. You know, if possible, you'd like to get back out on the road. You know, what is what is that goal look like? You know, do you just want to eventually be a full-time outlaw at some point or at least just do it to say you've done it? Or is there specific races or whatnot you want to chase, you know, maybe on that outlaw schedule? You know, to be completely honest, there was a long time in my life that I dreamed and, and really really wanted to work very hard to, to get to the outlaw tour and 
as the older I've gotten, the, the more that dream is kind of, uh, I don't know, it's kind of, kind of shrunk, kind of changed. I, I think for me, I have more fun just racing and, and doing it because I love it and not really because there's something I'm really chasing, but, um, there's, in reality, there's only about four things that I, I am dead set that I absolutely have to accomplish before I, I hang the helmet up. And, um, you know, it's winning the trophy cup, winning a, a race at Houston, because that's such a historic event. Um, you know, I, I want to win the gold cup race of champions, which is obviously an outlaw event. Um, and I want to win an outlaw race. So those four to me are, are, are very near and dear to my heart and, uh, and very special to me. So if I can knock off those four, if I, if I can win those four, I, I've done everything I ever dreamed of and more. That's cool. That's great to hear. Well, Dominic, thank you so much for joining us today on Off the Track. Congratulations on your successful weekend, and I'm sure we will see you uh, down in California soon. Awesome, guys. Thanks very much. And, yeah, I look forward to, uh, to racing with you soon. So what a phenomenal interview there with Dominic Selzy. What a well-spoken guy. Uh, we haven't got the chance to meet him in person, but uh, I follow him on Twitter, and he always has the funniest post. You know, right after uh, his victories at Colorado Speedway in Tulare, he was posting a lot about what they were eating for dinner, and he had yeah. selfies, and he had, like, his lasagna and all that good stuff. And it was great to hear also the other topics, you know, ranging from sprint car racing in California, how it's different than the Midwest, and also, you know, what his goals are kind of going forward after twenty. 21 and beyond yeah absolutely and it's also like kind of cool to step back and look at this perspective when he mentioned the top four things on his list to do and i think one was the peter murphy classic or it's the peter murphy plus the other four which some of those things included a win at husitz an all-star win which he had already accomplished um winning at knoxville and an a uh, outlaw win and and with that included the gold cup of race of champions which is local to me and local to you yeah, i guess northern you could california. say northern california but it's kind of cool to step back and look at you know each individual driver has a goal and a mindset and what they want to accomplish in their career that's completely different like to me i my goal is to go to nascar and win you know a championship or the daytona 500 yeah. something like that or win at sonoma and for you i could imagine it's completely different just, as well just go as far as you can go is what i like right. to say you know in, in dirt racing and stuff nowadays it's it's really it's it's tough because you know i think actually just in racing in general so many doors can open and yeah. so many doors can close um but yeah like my childhood dream was always like you know same nascar be in victory lane one time like make it happen and yeah it was interesting to hear his goals and you you know, also how he is so far into his racing career, but still has so much left. Right. You know, he talked about how he's just kind of feels like he's starting to get to his peak and get, yeah. you know, towards the, the top of his game. And it all goes to all those years of dedicated work, you know, in the shop at the track, you know, putting in those hours and, you know, racing against the best of the best. And, you know, you may be in the back running with some of the, the best of the best, right. you know, the outlaws, or you have your good nights or you qualify good here or have a good heat race there. Uh, but, you know, it's really starting to show now that he's back in California full time, you know, really how good he is. Yeah. I liked how he also mentioned, uh, even if you go run with the outlaws or something like that, uh, even when you're running in the back, you're running as hard as possible. So that's why he's, he's learned running these California tracks. You just have to run them as hard as possible because even running in the back there i mean it truly is the best of the best sprint car competition when you're running with the outlaws um the all-stars yeah so that was a cool mention that he had brought up yeah it was uh great to talk to dominic selzy for episode 18 and we're gonna get more sprint car guys uh you know crew chiefs yep. car owners people that have many different angles of the sport and you know hopefully
hopefully from more events like this one because it couldn't have worked out any better. Right. We're at the Peter Murphy Classic, and we have the guy that dominated the event. So uh, now kind of moving into my Peter Murphy Classic to talk about some of the behind-the-scenes things here for the podcast. It was a good weekend, two-night show. You know, the second night paid $11,000, uh, which was a KWS race. That was my first time running with that series. You know, it was kind of neat after all these years of kind of watching highlights of it, you know, throughout California yeah. to make my first start, which was my sixth um, career 410 start after running, you know, uh, down in Arizona and then some King of Thunder races there at Hanford yep. uh, twice. But other than that, it was a great weekend. We started out at the Colorado Speedway and we had some good speed. Uh, one of the things Dominic actually mentioned in his interview was how they've been playing with some different formats. And that first night was that two, uh, two heat race format, format yeah. no qualifying, which gives you know other teams maybe that can't qualify as well or have the biggest engine a chance to go out there and race yeah and one thing that you mentioned to me and when you called me i think it was on sunday recapping the weekend uh is how the two heat races inverted yeah but it was different cars and i know uh we had talked about it a little bit off camera and i think we could bring it up here now on camera see when you mentioned that to me is i feel like it would be a little confusing and when you normally race like an outlaw cart format at the national or something, you're with the same guys just inverted. So you yeah. know what guy is going to do what. Like, for example, you know, Rico Abreu loves to run the top. So you could tell if you're going to start by this person, this is what they're going to do. So you could, you know, almost judge your start. And I think that almost, I don't know if it would, if you would say bit you or whatnot, but in your second heat race, you started front row outside, yeah. right? And then if you want to tell the viewers exactly yeah, what happened Yeah, it kind of did. So I was, you know, I uh, started last in the, in the second heat race, but my first... I was the second 410 heat race to go out in the first set. Okay, gotcha. And I started eighth. And then that second time, like you said, it did bit me, but uh, I was expecting to start on the pole. But then when they posted the lineups, I started yeah. front row outside with different cars that I ran with in that first heat. Yeah. And I just, I didn't get a good start. I kind of misjudged it. And sure enough, we were getting death sliders into one, which yeah. if anybody doesn't know what a death slider or death bomb we like to call them. It's pretty much where, I mean, don't get me wrong. They were clean sliders, but yeah. it's just where, um, you know, maybe the racetrack's not the raciest and, you know, guys are all fighting for one lane. So you send it in there as hard as you can and you start making each other lift, which yeah. that's all part of wing sprint car racing, but that's just kind of where the track was that first night. And one of the reasons I think why it wasn't that good is uh, we kind of noticed when we were packing in the racetrack, there was part of the racetrack that didn't really get any moisture and wasn't, you know, broken apart that it was already packed in like they had been rolling around with the water truck. And that just kind of killed the bottom all night long down there. And when we were there uh, in April, you know, the bottom was good. And that's kind of yeah. where I felt like we, you know, we shined a little bit. So with one with more of a one lane track, you know, around a curb, I struggle more at that style of racing. But we yeah. got some valuable laps. The racetrack took rubber, um, you know, towards the well, I guess towards the middle stages of the race. But one more thing to talk about that first night is it was super dusty. I mean, yeah. there's dust all over the racetrack. And on the initial start, it was so dusty, I actually could say I could not see any of the cars around me. Yeah. Like, it's it's actually scary. You know, it's like having a blindfold on and you're still on the gas and you're still trying to be aggressive because you don't want to lose spots. Granted, I was already close to the back. But, yeah. you know, um, at one point you pause the GoPro even and you can literally not see any of the cars that were, you know, just a, just right there in front of me. I so. bet you that lasted for at least a solid minute in your mind it, too. It felt like it. And that's, that's what's nuts. And, you know, looking on the GoPro, it doesn't look as bad as it felt, but it definitely was bad. Mm -hmm. You know, it just, it, it, the, the video doesn't even do it justice. So uh, that was night number one right there at the Colorado Speedway. 
So many fans, you know, came over to our pit after, and that's one of the fun parts about Central California. Mm -hmm. They have a pretty strong fan base for non-wing, wing, midgets, whatever it is. Um, if there's a dirt track race, you know, a lot of people are going to show up. And I, I thought, well, I was going to say, I think you actually said the show ran a little bit later than you would normally yeah. prefer it would. And so I think you said maybe around 10, 30, 11 yeah, o'clock yeah, it, it was. ended up, but you still had a good amount of fans at the trailer. Oh, after. absolutely. Yeah. We had a, a huge turnout and a lot of this time it was like families, you know, yeah. maybe six or, or groups of six or seven people cool. at a time. And we just, we love to hear everyone's story. So we got the chance to chit chat with people, catch up with some of our friends that we saw the first time we were there, which is, yeah. which is neat because you kind of, you know, you, you see their face reminds you of, you know, that first interaction we had. But moving into the second night at Tulare, uh, something that we kind of talked about before the weekend was Tulare is kind of just an intimidating place. We yeah. went there in March, and that was my first ever trip. But there's something about the racetrack, the facility, all the highlight footage, and a lot of them have a lot of carnage in it, you know, yeah. wrecks and uh, the Trophy Cup and, and, and events like that. And the Peter Murphy Classic is usually just an event at Tulare, but this year is split between the two tracks. But it's just, it's kind of intimidating. Well, it's funny too, is when we talked to Dominic about it as well, um, if you watch Dominic Racer now, you'd think he's putting on a clinic. It's yeah. a walk in the park. But even he says, uh, you know, he broke his back there a while ago in a wreck and uh, he's still intimidated by it today. And it's just one of those places that's real technical to get around. Yeah, when he won there in March, you know, he mentioned in the interview, uh, like you were saying, you know, you, you wouldn't think that he was or or he he doesn't usually feel that good there right. at Tulare but something's really clicking this year for their team and I think it's just a, a big thing about confidence yep. and Tulare's a place you got to have confidence oh, yeah. and I think um, as a newer driver and you're not having a lot of laps around there for me it's more nerves it's not that I'm worried that like I can't do something it's just yeah. you just don't know because you hear all these stories about Tulare you know the the infamous turn one hole and you yeah. watch all the highlights of the guys going in there and you know, things just don't go right. So, um, Tulare is just kind of an intimidate, intimidating place. Uh, so we didn't qualify good. And, and another thing to mention right before qualifying, we didn't pull a good pill just like the night before our pill draws were not good this weekend. I think uh, you're kind of famous for it. Yeah. It's not, it's kind of turning into part of our brand and the dirt track world keeps giving me more of that. Uh, but the racetrack was similar to Hanford in the sense that it was really crumbly. I don't know what it was, but we rolled out there and I mentioned that actually, now that I think about it in the Dominic interview for a second, uh, just, you know, he also talked about the track conditions and how um, you know, Tulare and Hanford have not been getting as much water as maybe they used to. They're starting to be really, really slick, which yeah. we like slick tracks, but the track is almost not getting enough water to where it stays together. It starts to peel apart, yeah. and that's where it, it doesn't necessarily get rough, but it just it, it's it's unique. It's it, a different surface. Yeah, it, it's not like smooth, but it's not rough, but it doesn't like pack. It, it, I don't know. I'm not a big trap track prep guy. I couldn't yeah. track uh, prep a track, but um, you know that's just kind of what I'm observing when I'm rolling around out there. Yeah. But anyway, uh, we didn't run the, the right line in qualifying. I just didn't lay down a good lap. But we went forward in our heat race, started eighth, ran fourth, and it was super slick, dusty. Uh, but you could see another thing about that place and a lot of tracks, I'm sure, you know, that we go to throughout the year, um, depending on how the sun's setting, you know, yeah. it makes it really difficult to see. Usually down the backstretch, Hanford and Tulare are the exact same. Entering three, you can like see, 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 and then you hit the shade and like for a second you just don't you can't find where the curb's at yeah uh so that that's kind of um it, that's kind of different you know uh you know between every racetrack and how that uh how that shade kind of messes with you I know uh, my first time at Hanford it really got to me and you just kind of have to you know just try to hit the same mark every single lap and yeah. you know close your eyes for a second and get through it but 
Um, we did good in our heat race. We started 16th in the A, and one of the main things we wanted to work on was just driving the race car really, really hard. And I think uh, you accomplished that. Absolutely, yeah. We we knocked the Jacobs ladder out. You know, I hit the wall a couple of times, but that was all just because I was trying to stand on the gas and go for it. Yeah. Um, you know, our result doesn't really show that we were as fast as we were, but we were throwing sliders, and we were racing anywhere between 11th and 16th. Um, they did have double file restarts, which, you know, kind of was a little bit of a curveball because we rarely do double file restarts in sprint cars. Uh, so every restart back to the death bombs, just slide someone or slider be slid. And I think your reference to that is it reminds you of Red Bluff almost. Like oh, cards. absolutely. It literally is Red Bluff, but almost, you know, crazier because yeah. uh, it's just it, it's almost like if Cycland did double file restarts because the bigger tracks, so you do have a lot of room. It doesn't feel like you're super tight door to door, but it's just. Um, you know, you go into the corner and it's like, all right, who's sliding me next? Is this yeah. guy two rows back and he's trying to clear, you know, a three car bomb or something. Yeah. Uh, so that's just how Tulare was. And I don't, I, I wasn't able to watch as far as in front of me, maybe as I wanted to, but you know, I'm assuming the racing was just as intense, you know, maybe between fifth and 10th. Um, and up front, you know, they were Dominic and Kadeen and all those guys were throwing mm -hmm. a lot of sliders. So uh, the racetrack did kind of get abrasive at the end. And like I said, we ran 16th. So um, our results for the weekend are nothing to brag about, but we learned so much. And I think, um, you know, that's kind of where, where I'm at is like looking at, uh, you know, results and lap times and, and watch the footage back and say, hey, what are all these things that we did right? Yeah. You know, and how can we build off that and use that? And and also it's a 410. You know, we, we haven't ran a lot of 410 yeah. races. Um, besides Arizona and a little bit earlier this season, you know, down in the Central Valley again. Um, but, you know, just trying to put all the pieces of the puzzle together and, you know, kind of continue to build that as we go throughout our year. Yeah, like Dominic said, too, the more <clears throat> you run the 410 uh, and then you get back in the 360, it starts to slow it down. And I think a good way to look at this weekend and any weekend that's kind of like that is you're pretty much just gathering tools and not and like not necessarily physically, but you're using tools that you learn from each race that you could take with you. Um, you know, when we travel yeah. or when we go somewhere new or you know when we go run Skagit sometimes. So I think it was a great weekend to collect more tools to use with you when you go to other places. Yeah, that's such a great analogy. And and you know the 410 to the 360 thing, just like a 500 outlaw cart to a 250 or you know uh, maybe a class in micros where you're dropping down. Mm -hmm. Even though the competition's you know just as stout. In California, you know, there's more 360s than there is 410, so almost the competition's tougher. Yeah. But, yeah, I think, you know, running the 410 a lot and how aggressive those guys were, and even though we're running around in the back and we're all putting our best foot forward, you know, now going into the 360, you know, we're, we're, I think that's kind of where the improvement is seen more, not necessarily in the coming 410 races. I mean, eventually you do see the improvement. Right, right. But if you want to look for quicker results, you know, you're going to uh, maybe see that in those 360 races. So yep. a couple more things just to touch on key takeaways from the weekend and in insane crowd turnout out between the two nights um packed i don't know if it was sold out but i mean they they had as many people in there i think as they possibly could uh to Larry, one thing to mention about to Larry that i tried for the first time if you guys are ever there they have a really good tri-tip sandwich yeah uh, i don't know if you tried that when you were there with us in march no i had the linguisa i think oh so. gotcha yeah no so that that tri-tip sandwich is really good i'm big into that so if you're at trophy cup try that out um the racetrack conditions they were all right you know, it, it was racy at some points, you know, it could have been better, but I'm not, I've never prepped a racetrack before, so I can't talk too much, but just, mm -hmm. you know, like I said, from being behind the wheel, uh, it, it was racy, but it wasn't, but I think they, they put their best foot forward. 
Um, another thing to mention, it was $500, or they they uh, gave Tanner Holmes Racing $500 for the second longest tow. I think Robbie Price also got that because um, sponsors put up a bunch of prize money, and one of them was the longest tow. So that was uh, super generous, and they also had great payouts. The Peter Murphy Classic um, takes care of everyone, whether you're winning the race or you're starting and parking. Right. Um, and it was awesome just to see a bunch more Cali friends. You know, uh, every time we get down there, we're not racing in the Central Valley a lot, and we're not down in California a lot besides, you know, we're down there more for our outlaw cars, it feels like, in the wintertime than sprint yeah. cars. So uh, anytime we get to see California friends, that's a plus. And then also we got home at 10 a.m. Sunday morning. Dad uh, trucked through the night. So, you know, we got home safely, got everything washed up, and now we're already looking forward at, you know, what these next couple of weeks look like. Let's uh, wrap up today's uh, video or today's podcast, I yeah. should say, with a fan question. And it comes from Anthony. Uh, how is the California competition different than other regions you've raced? And Dominic talked a little bit about this, but just from like a spectator's yeah. view, you know, mainly in the wing sprint cars, what are some things you've kind of noticed in the couple of trips we've uh, went down there? I just know like, uh, so I think you could totally agree is like you've said before, is you really like a slick track and uh, California is more known for a heavier track for sure. And then also just the bull rings in California. And it's, it's not that you can't adapt to running a bull ring, but you know, when you go back and run in the Midwest, which I haven't had the opportunity to travel too far in the Midwest with you. So I'm excited to do that in the upcoming months. But uh, it's awesome to watch your videos and watch how you keep the car straight as possible. Yeah. And now you're running these little borings like Ocean Speedway where you're flicking it in. And it's kind of funny, too, is some of these tracks, like when we went down there, um, some of our friends, I think, tell told you uh, this is where the line is for qualifying because yeah. it's infamous for being the same thing every weekend. Yeah. And then the time you show up, obviously, you run the line you're told and it was not the line so i think that's just a good way to put california has just got these tight bull rings that are tend to hook up and just like dominic selzy had had said uh they just build a really big curb yeah and that curb is tricky to run yeah. and a lot of it deals with wheel spin and you know being able to drive the car sideways which is something i haven't really figured out yet and it, it's it's weird because if you you know run a lot of tracks like cottage grove you know you're really keeping the car straight there because that place may be a bull ring technically it's mm -hmm. a quarter mile but it, it, it races like the biggest track you've ever ran yeah. and you can just drive the race car really hard so you're definitely not trying to be sideways there you mentioned ocean speedway some other tracks to list i haven't been there but you can just yeah. watch footage and see ocean um Petaluma, placerville placerville for sure yeah. petaluma maybe a little bit that's a little bit of a larger track but marysville um silver dollar even maybe a little bit yeah. but you know you can kind of group up some of these tracks where these these certain guys are really fast and then you know uh maybe like the colorado speedway or tulare which is a little bit of an oddball compared yeah. to those other places you know they're starting to get slicker the track preps a little bit different and some of those guys that are really good at the bull rings are starting to struggle at these you know um I, not really big tracks but you know bigger. just bigger and different yeah. surface so um, you know, how is the competition different? Also, I think there's just a lot of really good guys down there and they're not afraid to stand on the gas. And it's not only that too, is I think a good analogy applies. So, uh, when you, when you run at Red Bluff every weekend, we know the track and to yeah. a lot of people that come for the first time, they're very intimidated won by the competition. And not only that is the track also is, I mean, it's a tight bull ring. So, yeah. you know, a lot of people think you want to flick it in, in a car. Obviously you don't, you want to keep it straight as possible. But I think that really applies in the sprint car world as well, because when you have people that run Ocean on the Friday night schedule or Placerville or Marysville and they run them regularly, they're going to be a lot better there because yeah. that's just their home track. And that's just their normal. Right. And so that's the same thing applies to, you know, probably running 
Cottage Gover, when you did run White City in the limited, yeah, uh, it just applies that way. Yeah, no, I could uh, I could not agree more. That's that's a perfect way to put it. It's just whatever your normal is in California's normal. Um, from observations and from being down there, there's a lot of really good teams. There's yeah. a lot of big names that have a lot of history in the area. And people that don't don't get me wrong, they venture out and maybe yeah. they go to the Midwest or come to the Northwest and race. But a lot of guys just kind of stick around in Cali. They have a, a, a decent variety yeah. of tracks um, from a couple bigger places, a lot of bull rings if that's yeah. what you're into. I mean, and it, that's just kind of what becomes their normal. And not to cut you off, but a good example is Justin Sanders this year. You could easily say, uh, look at him at Ocean Speedway and Placerville. It's, yeah. it's just what he's been dominant at. He's insane. So when you show up there, you expect this is the guy to beat. Almost when people come to Red Bluff, they're like, oh, Tanner Holmes, Landon Brooks, Carson Perkins. Those are the guys to beat in outlaw cards. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's fun to watch California. It can be tough to race down yeah. there because there's just so much good competition and guys that are up on the wheel. But uh, that is going to kind of wrap up episode number 18. This weekend, I think we're either going to be at the Cottage Grove Speedway or Skagit. Yep. I know our schedule says Elma, so I'm going to have to change that. But I, I didn't want to change anything until I knew. Yeah. Um, do you have any plans for this weekend? Uh, I think we got our harness back today. So uh, my dad's putting it on right now. So we should be running Wairika Saturday with a uh, Southern Oregon Dwarf Car Association race. So That'll be fun. We'll see. Yeah. But that's going to wrap up today's episode. You guys can uh, listen to the audio version on Apple Podcast and Spotify. And if you have not yet, make sure you subscribe to the Off the Track podcast channel right here on YouTube for the video version every single week and comment below who you want to see next. Yep. We're going to try to get as many guests as possible. We're still going to have episodes just by ourselves to recap and talk about all the exciting things that don't make it in our 15 minute vlogs. Yeah, absolutely. This has been a lot of fun and uh, we'll see you all in episode 19. See you guys there. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, you are watching off the track and it is time to drop the hammer.